Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. Plagiocephaly is a scientific term for flathead syndrome, which can be caused by a baby's position in the womb, but more commonly occurs after birth, when a baby spends too much time in one position, leading to prolonged pressure in one area of the infant's pliable skull. Flathead syndrome has been more common over the past few decades as a side effect to the Back to Sleep campaign, which instructs parents to put babies to sleep on their back in order to reduce the risk of sudden infant death syndrome, or SIDS. So what's a parent to do? In today's episode of Move Forward Radio, physical therapists Colleen Coulter and Jessica Corso answer that question, clarifying how parents can follow the recommendations of the Back to Sleep campaign while also taking steps to prevent flat spots. They also explain what treatment to expect in instances where plagiocephaly occurs. As always, input from our guests is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. With that, here's our interview with Colleen Coulter and Jessica Corso. Colleen, there was a recent study that suggested that about half of two-month-old babies have flat spots in their head. First, let's just discuss what causes a flat spot and can there be varying causes? Flat spots, other words called plagiocephaly, have different reasons and causes. Some of them happen in utero, and those that happen outside the intrauterine environment. During pregnancy, it could be reasons that the baby is in one spot and they actually cannot move, and examples are twins or one of the primary risk factors for flat spots or what predisposes the babies to flat spots, or the twin is usually twin A, and that baby is down in position with twin B floating happily on top and squishing twin A and not having a lot of movement, and the baby is basically stuck. Some of the other reasons are the breech position, where the baby is tail first or leg first and not so much head first, and so the baby actually can have flat spot with breech position as well as torticollis, which is a tight neck muscle. And another reason in utero is lack of amniotic fluid. If the mother has low amniotic fluid, the baby can't swim around and and move and change positions as, as freely as if the normal amount of amniotic fluid. So multiple pregnancies, we call it stuck in the container, you're just stuck, or a packaging problem where there's just not a lot of room in there for that baby, whether it's a big baby, small mom, or multiple babies in mom, or the fact the baby is stuck from its position in utero. And then after pregnancy? After pregnancy, we call them where it's a positional preference, and the positional preference could be just from environmental handling, that the baby likes to look to the right, and the families and the parents, the caregivers, reinforce that beautiful looking and alertness and attention to the right or to the left, and they feed in, and that's just, you know, they feed in and keep positioning the baby that way, and the baby keeps looking, the toys are placed on that side. It can also happen because of a tight neck muscle. The baby's born with a tight neck muscle and it causes the baby to be positioned to where the head is on one side and very challenging for the baby to turn from side to side. The other would be babies that are left in one position for a long period of time, such as infant carriers, car seats, strollers, and we call those more of container babies or babies that are just in one position. Uh, Jessica might have some more input on this also. Jessica, do you have any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I think you have it there with the tightening of the neck muscle can then cause the baby to lay in one direction, therefore their head will be flat on that side, or just like she said, the in utero position will then cause the flatness or cause the tightness of the neck muscle, which will then cause the flatness once they are laying down or sleeping in a certain position. Jessica, is one flat spot any harder to get rid of or potentially more damaging, more lasting than another? So whether it happens during pregnancy or whether it happens from a child being left in one position in their bed too long or in a car seat too long, are any of those really different than another in terms of the amount of potential damage, if that's the right word, that can happen? Certainly not damage, but regarding head shape, if the baby has torticollis or the tightening of the neck muscle on one side, that does have a huge factor on head shape which does make it more challenging for the baby to self-correct. And once that neck is resolved, it then usually allows for more self-correction or at least guiding it with the helmet would be more likely to have a good outcome. So, Colleen, when we're talking about these flat spots, is it purely an aesthetic issue and something where it's correcting a flat spot so it isn't there throughout childhood or even into adulthood, I suppose? Or are there potentially any other side effects that would result of the flat spot that would be problematic? It depends. There's more research coming out now that looks at long-term. We're looking at children that are in elementary school, first grade, second grade, third grade, and there have been two studies that looked at what they call the neurodevelopmental consequences, plagiocephaly, and those kids are usually the ones that are more severe, meaning the degree of difference of the flatness between the two sides of the head, like you're flat on the right, how flat is flat, kind of, and the more severe the flatness is, they're looking at those kids possibly having delays in their development. That's going on into in cognitive development, not motor development, going into elementary school. Those are, there's two studies that have come out, and those have been from Israel, looking at the developmental delays or the, the cognitive, neurodevelopmental delays, cognitive delays in these children. There have been studies looking at kids that have the flatness, and these kids, without torticollis, without the tight neck muscles, tend to be the ones that don't like to be on their bellies. And this opens up that whole world of tummy time. And are these kids delayed? If you looked at some studies, there's been three or four studies. Uh, Kennedy is one that, that did one, and she said that, yes, if you looked at these babies at six months and 12 months, didn't like their bellies, yes, they were delayed in their gross motor milestones, meaning sitting, rolling, crawling, pull to stand. But by the time these babies were 18 months to two years of age, it all washed out and they all were performing the same developmental level as their peers that did not have the plagiocephaly. So it depends on how you look at development. There's a whole other population of babies that do get plagiocephaly and it's worth noting at this point are the ones that are born premature that are in the NICUs or the intensive care units, neonatal intensive care units or the babies that are born very, very sick and have to spend time for prolonged hospitalizations. These babies, because of the tubes, the lines, just the acute care and the intensive positioning that do and can develop or can and do develop flatness on one side versus the other. And a lot of that is just positioning and where their critical life support lines are just to keep these babies going. So we know that that is a very much a risk factor are babies that are in the nurseries, neonatal intensive care units, whether they're premature or they're born very sick and have to spend a lot of time in one position because of their life support systems. So on the one hand, there are potential developmental delays related to plagiocephaly and flat spots. And on the other hand, there's the back-to-sleep program from the American Academy of Pediatrics, which was designed to avoid sudden infant death syndrome or SIDS. 
So that's been a successful program. SIDS has just decreased by 50%. But on the other hand, potentially leaving your child on their back has the potential to cause these flat spots. So Colleen, let me start with you. What's a parent to do when they sort of hear these two conflicting things? You're trying to avoid flat spots. And on the other hand, you're trying to make sure that you keep your baby safe by putting the rest on their back. We like to use the terminology back to sleep, but tummy to play. And there's got to be a balance between the tummy to play. The tummy has to be supervised. And the younger the baby, the more dependent on the parent and the more supervision because the baby can't roll and change positions. There was a very wise leader in the plagiocephaly world that would say you put your baby on the tummy when you see the whites of their eyes. So any time that they are not sleeping, they should be in different positions off the back, and different positions can vary between how we candle the baby, hold the baby, position the baby, can be in a modified tummy position or a modified carrying position where the babies aren't flat all the time. So the answer is... Yes, the babies need to be on their backs to sleep until they can roll independently and change their own position. But there's lots of opportunities where parents can put their babies on their tummies or in different positions that are off the back of their heads with supervision that is perfectly safe and also helps with their development. Jessica, do you have thoughts on that? No, I totally agree with her, and I've been where we can follow patients and scan them at a very young age and then allow them to meet more milestones to get themselves off the back of their heads as well as educate the parents on increasing tummy time and that sort of thing and come back for a follow-up scan to compare and oftentimes they do tend to self-correct. So Colleen, you mentioned that there are numerous opportunities for tummy time. Let's really get into what that is. So tummy time to me sounds like putting my child on his or her tummy, but what are those opportunities? How can you make that time productive and not just to avoid the flat spots, but to potentially help them develop in other areas? Yeah, we've taken the liberty here at Children's to call tummy time is anything but being on the backs of their heads, and I think it's any time that you can put your hand on a baby's tummy. And as parents, and I'm a parent of four kids, and, but what we did is when even the youngest baby, the newborn baby, instead of holding them face up or holding them with your hand supporting their back, what you can do is modify that hold and maybe hold them on right side. You know, one time you pick them up right side, the next time you pick the baby up, hold with the left side, and then the other was hold like a football with the tummy down and the head supported. As the younger the baby is, the more handling and support we give them as a parent. And as our babies start to hold their heads up and hold their trunks up and become stronger, we innately as parents move our hands down because we say, oh, look how strong you're getting. We hold them on their laps, they're standing. We watch them roll. Every time they roll, that's less handling we have. So the younger the baby is, the more opportunities we have to really change their positions frequently, change the way we hold and carry the baby. All this can be incorporated into tummy time. At Children's, we have what we call tummy time tools. It's a handout we give all parents, regardless if they have tight neck muscles or if they're very mildly flat, they come in here for an assessment. They All the families get tummy time tools, which is a six-page picture diagram or picture illustrations of how they can do tummy time, everything but the back, laying back flat on their heads. It's translated into seven languages at this point. And that Tummy Times tools, by the way, is available on move4pt.com as well. We'll link to it off of this Blog Talk Radio episode page. To continue with the idea of tummy time and avoiding these flat spots, is there an age at which the child is not at risk, typically? Is there a point at which that's no longer a concern? Well, around the time where they start to begin to sit up by themselves and roll themselves to their tummy to sleep, that could also be 
continuation of allowing them to self-correct. But when they are closer to a year of age is when the suture lines become more sticky or formed. And then at a year and a half, that would be their head shape. And so there's really no concern at that point. So Jessica, then take me through if a child does have a flat spot, what the physical therapist intervention can be and some of the things you do with headpieces to either, I don't know if it's protective or corrective. Uh, Take me through that. So depending on what the age the baby is when we first see them, obviously, just as Colleen said, the younger the baby is, the better that it is for us just because it allows us more time and ability to perhaps allow the baby to correct on its own. If there is concern with the tightening of the neck muscle, we work hand-in-hand with the physical therapist to make sure that the parents have a home stretching program and understand everything that goes into helping that baby's symmetry for their range of motion with their neck. If we have them as young as three or four months to be able to scan them, we can use that as a baseline scan. It's just an external 3D picture of their head. There's nothing internal. There's no radiation pretty quick and easy. And then we would be able to bring them back, depending on their age at their initial visit, four to six weeks after that to do a comparison scan and to see exactly where they're growing. And I've seen it all. I've seen where it looks like the baby had a helmet on, but they didn't. I've seen them grow the same all the way around, and I've seen them, unfortunately, get worse as well. And so what's the reason for the varying outcomes, do we know? Sometimes we don't know. I've had parents who had one baby that was in a helmet, and a couple years later they had a second baby, and they were determined to do everything they could to not have any kind of flat spots for that second baby, and the baby's head still wound up being flat. At that point, we can use a, we call them cranial remolding orthoses, or we do call them helmets, that we use to redirect the growth, so it's nothing ever tight or compressive. It's just we hold where we don't want it to grow, and we provide a void or a recessed area where we want it to grow, just redirecting it. So, Colleen, in your experience, how many children need those helmets, and how often can it self-correct? From the experience of Children's Health Care of Atlanta, we looked at this, and we looked at our numbers of kids that came in for cranial assessments, meaning that they came in for their baseline evaluations and their scans, their pictures with our laser scanner. And then we get them back periodically, whether it be six weeks or eight weeks, depending on the age of the baby. Over half of the babies that came to us, this was two years ago, over half the babies that came to us did not require cranial remolding therapy because of the positioning and the handling that was instructed to the parents and caregivers. We give all of our parents and their caregivers and the daycare workers tummy time tools, which is a parent intervention handling piece of things to do with their baby other than lay them flat on their back. And those things are, you know, rolling from side to side and sitting up with support and all different ways of handling the baby. So we try to prevent it, and it really has shown that we have prevented it, and we also give this information to the pediatricians, the nurse practitioners, all the practices out in around our area give this to their families. Jessica, we're talking about remolding, and I think everybody knows that infants' heads are soft and malleable, but give me a sense of what we're talking about here and what the structure is like of that developing skull. So keeping in mind, the head has to grow for the shape to change, and The younger the baby, the faster their heads grow. So that would allow for either self-correction or correction in a helmet, but it also goes hand-in-hand with the actual developing plate in the head. With the structure being more malleable and softer, the younger the baby is, and then getting towards a year of age, 
where they become more formed and more challenging to change the shape. And a child that would be in a headpiece like that, would that be a 24-7 sort of thing, or would it just be when they go to bed? When would they yeah. be in that? The idea is to capture the growth with the helmet on. So they would wear it about 23 hours a day, usually off one hour to bathe the baby and clean the helmet. But if they are involved in physical therapy, then they also take it off for the physical therapy sessions for active stretching. How severe would a flat spot have to be to warrant the use of a helmet like that? I mean, is that something that's only used in extreme cases, or is that something that could be really used in in any scenario? So we like to say that there's three things that come together to say whether a helmet is indicated. And first is parental and family concern. The second is the way the baby actually presents or looks. And the third is the measurements or the data. So we don't just rely on a bunch of numbers or measurements to make decisions. Sometimes the babies can present more severe, but yet measure not as severe or vice versa. And you also have some parents that are more concerned than others. And for the most part, we are just talking about head shape, not too much about their development at that point. So we take all those into consideration to decide whether a helmet is needed. So just to make sure I'm understanding, when you're talking about children who present more severely than they actually are, this would just be a child who, for whatever reason, their head appears to have a severe flat spot, but when you look at it by your metrics, it doesn't necessarily. Correct. Excuse me, Jessica and Jason, but there's kids here, if they have torticollis on top of the flatness, that puts them in a different bracket as far as what you call severity or a big flag, or do we intervene maybe a little bit sooner when that baby has torticollis? We think of the neck muscles holding up our neck, but they really start at the base of the skull. And they start at the base of the skull in the back as well as up and behind the ear. There's different bony prominences that really correspond to the tug and the pull of these muscles. If the tug and the pull are very even, then you have a nice rounded head shape. When the tug and the pull of the muscles on one side, one side's tight, that's torticollis, then you have greater tugs and pull forces on one side that really does affect the development of the skull, especially the skull base. And that can lead to the asymmetry or what we call the flat spot also. So those two really have to be, you know, you, you, it's almost like the rock, paper, scissors, shoot, which one trumps the other one as far as the treatment. If a child comes in with severe torticollis, then we have to address that because that might be the culprit or the cause for the plagiocephaly. And vice versa, if the child has this really strong movement preference and wants to put that head on that right side, if continued to only look to the right, the neck muscles get tight so you have a developing or compensatory torticollis. Colleen, let's just continue that thought for a little bit and talk about torticollis. What would a physical therapist treatment of an infant with torticollis, what would that entail? Okay, younger, better, and all the studies have talked about that. And a matter of fact, in publication, as we speak, not in print, through the section on pediatrics, is the clinical practice guideline on congenital muscular torticollis. And that is going to be a evidence-based practice guideline looking at the treatment. So the treatments of torticollis, one is passive stretching through our hands. So like we actually instruct the parents how to get equal range of motion in the side bend and the turn and the yes and the no, forward and back, turning and then side to side. The other is stretching or stretching through positioning, really teaching the parents how to gain the range of motion through how they handle the baby, position the baby, put the baby down on you know the surface. So you're using the surface as well as the parents handling to gain the range of motion. 
And then as the baby gets a little bit older and stronger, we really work on active range of motion for the baby, how the baby lifts the head up when they're being tipped from side to side or what side the baby rolls to. So we try to get the baby really actively participating in their own stretching and strengthening exercise. So we do work 100% with the caregivers and the parents, not just the physical therapist, more the teacher and the educator to the parents and the caregivers for this. Recognizing the no two children are alike, typically how long would it take for a child to get over that protocols? Again, I hate the word, it depends. It depends on the severity. There's a couple factors that feed into it. One, is there a presence of a knot, like a lump in the side of the neck that is tight? That is a key predictor for a longer episode of care for the torticollis. So if the baby's actually born with a little nodule, a little lump, not a cancer or a tumor, it's definitely a lump in the neck muscle on the side that's tight. Those babies tend to be in therapy for more five to six months because there is something actually mechanical or something happened to the structure of the muscle. The second one is if the muscle is just tight from positioning without the lump. That's a tight band. That's the second classification, the tight band. And the third one is posture. That's just the baby's preferred position. So those are the three types of torticollis. The next one, the younger that come in, the babies come in, under three months of age, zero to three months of age, if therapy has started, those outcomes, the prediction for the treatment episode is much less. If you get them from three to six months, it's going to take longer. Six months to 12 months, it pretty much takes a good six to eight months for treatment, if it even gets better. And the kids that come in closer to a year and the band is tight in the neck, then they go on, the literature bases that on surgery. So I think that's a good point to bring it back. And as we're talking about flat spots, as we're talking about torticollis, what's the takeaway message I'd like to ask each of you that you feel for parents in terms of how they approach these things and when there should be cause of concern, when they should talk to their doctor or ask to see a physical therapist related to any of these conditions? Excellent point. And again, this is all being covered in the practice guideline. Unfortunately, parents bring this to the attention of the pediatricians when they first see it. And the pediatricians, because there's not good evidence, it's not the pediatrician's fault, we have not done a good job talking about early intervention with this population. Pediatricians say they're going to grow out of it because a lot of the kids do grow out of it, the movement asymmetry. But there's that group of kids that do not. We would like to see these kids as soon as they are identified. Let's say the pediatrician sees the baby at two months and gives the parent a really good exercises to do to have the baby turn to the opposite side or to stretch out the tighter side. If that baby is not responding within two to four weeks, that would be a great indicator get into the physical therapist to do a full assessment to really see what's causing this baby to become tight. And I'm talking within the first three months of life would be excellent. We know as soon as that baby gets a little bit older, and this is the same thing for plagiocephaly, as that baby gets older and stronger, three months to six months, it's really challenging to change the way the baby looks, to change the way the baby holds their head. It's already become a habit, and they have learned to develop their head and trunk control with those movement preferences and with the muscle getting tighter. Jessica, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I couldn't agree more as far as the younger, the better, and sometimes the pediatricians will send the babies in for an evaluation for a scan, and I will notice the tightness of the neck muscle and will then go back to the pediatrician to request for a physical therapy prescription. Fascinating information and great advice for parents, too. Colleen Coulter, Jessica Corso, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. 
Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com slash radio.